Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Hear now the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. So we are still in the Easter season, and y'all might be getting tired of hearing me say that by now, since we are probably in, I think this is the fourth or the fourth week of Easter, yes, uh, the fifth, thank you, somebody read the bulletin, <laughs> perfect, yes, I, could, I couldn't remember off the top of my head, so the fifth week of Easter, so, uh, so here you are hearing me say this again, that we are still in the Easter season, and we are closely approaching Pentecost, which will come uh, at the end of May, I think that's May 23rd, we are closely approaching that but until such a time, we continue to reflect on the way that Easter shapes us, the way that we are called to be Easter people. And I want you to meditate on those words, on what it means to adopt that as an identity during this time, to be able to claim that we are Easter people. And that might feel a little bit strange when Easter's already passed, and it might feel a little bit strange once we enter into the season of, of Pentecost, but but to be Easter people are, is to be people who are transformed, moved, shaped by the good news of the resurrection and what it means to be people who take that good news out into the world. Easter people are the very same people who instigated the very first church. Easter people are the kind of people who perpetuated the gospel movement across the globe. Easter people are the kind of people that have allowed us to be here today. Because it took some amount of inspiration, some amount of understanding about the powerful good news of the resurrection in order to spark this faith that we still hold on to today. It takes the kind of people who are willing to bear fruit. That's what it means to be Easter people. Easter people bear fruit. We have in this passage in, in John, and, and you might have been noticing a pretty common theme the past couple of weeks. We've been bouncing back and forth between the Gospel of John and the Epistle of John, 1 John. Uh, so we've been bouncing back and forth, and they both have very common correlations back and forth, back and forth. 
particularly this time, we see that word abide come up again this week. Last week, we started talking about what it means to abide. This week, we talk about what happens when we abide. What happens whenever we abide close to Christ. At the, uh, at the end of our passage today, verses 7 and 8 read, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Bearing fruit glorifies God. I've, I've, I don't know how many of you are, are into gardening or anything like that, but... Have you ever like waited for something to bloom or for something to show up and then it doesn't happen and you just get really disappointed and I don't, I don't know, maybe you get disappointed in the plants, maybe you get disappointed in yourself, maybe it's the weather, whatever it might be, but you're just like, come on, this was supposed to happen. Uh, my wife and I, really my wife, I, I helped out very little, but she planted a, a little flower garden in front of the parsonage. And um, two, of the, two of the flowers are, are not doing so well. Uh, one of them actually is non-existent anymore. And it, <laughs> and, but the, some of them are thriving, so I, I, can't, I can't understand why. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. It's, it is what it is. But some of them just aren't thriving the way that the others are. <laughs> why not? Why, why is this happening? Why don't we have those flowers? Why? Because we know that whenever, I mean, this is kind of like the whole purpose of planting flowers, whenever people see those flowers, they're like, those people know how to garden. Those people know how to nurture something, how to care for something. Bearing fruit, showing up in that blossoming way, glorifies God in our own life. Now, so, so, so John, both John and 1 John, and many other points in the Bible, really, utilize this metaphor of fruit. You may also recall whenever we've talked about uh, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This, this uh, metaphor of fruit was a critical aspect of the culture that the, uh, both the Old Testament people and the New Testament people found themselves in. Agriculture. There was this common understanding of the power that fruit has. Even Jesus, whenever he, uh, whenever he is walking into Jerusalem for the first time, passes by a fig tree, and it's not bearing fruit, and he gets mad at the fig tree, and he curses it. And when they come back, they see the fig tree has died, because we know there is something powerful about bearing fruit. This fruit uh, analogy, though, has, has so much more depth to it than just producing something. See, bearing fruit has kind of this twofold nature to it. The first nature is when something bears fruit, what does that do? It provides some amount of sustenance, maybe to whoever picks that fruit, to the animals who, who glean from it, whatever that might be, the fruit is there to provide sustenance. That's number one. Number two, fruit does anybody know what classifies an edible thing as fruit? The seeds, the seeds on the inside, yes! There are seeds on the inside, why? So that if that fruit does not get eaten, if it's not used for sustenance, wow, then it can fall back into the earth and produce something more. 
becomes this petrol, perpetual motion machine. How incredible that that's something that exists on our planet. That we'll just use an apple tree for a minute because that's like the most common kind of fruit that comes to mind. An apple tree grows and those apples then fall and their seeds are scattered and then guess what? More apple trees show up and it keeps going that way. We have apple trees all across the globe because of this phenomena and so many other fruit. So when we're talking about bearing fruit, we're talking about this in a twofold way. One, to provide sustenance. Two, to promote growth. So whenever Jesus says, my father is glorified by you bearing much fruit, what we understand here is that our role takes on two parts. To go forth and to sustain, to go forth and to promote growth. But there's this little caveat that gets thrown in there that Jesus utilizes, and for those of you who do any kind of gardening, you know the truth of this. Pruning. Pruning is a very important part of maintaining healthy plants. Um, if, a, if a branch is not bearing fruit, or Jesus uses a vine in, the, in this uh, metaphor, vines were much more, are much more common in, uh, in Israel than other kinds of fruit-bearing things. If a branch is not bearing fruit, that, and other parts are, then that means there's something wrong with the branch. And so, in order to prevent whatever's wrong with the branch from spreading to the other branches, cut it off. Get rid of it. Because more than likely, that branch has some kind of disease to it. So, when Jesus introduces this, this notion or reintroduces this notion of bearing much fruit. He does so with the caveat of pruning. Now, I, I've, I've been in church for a fairly long time-ish. I don't know what, what constitutes a long time. In the span of my life, I've been in church for a long time. And during that time, I'm sure you have as well, I've heard many sermons on this passage. The true vine bearing fruit and pruning. And I think, if I, if I can remember correctly across the course of my life, the most common sermon I have heard on this passage has to do with pruning. This notion that sometimes God, and I'm going to be a little bit indelicate here, hurts us for our own growth or brings some kind of pain in our life for our own growth. Uh, this is probably the most common thing I've heard whenever it comes to this passage, that that's God's job as a gardener, is sometimes there has to be some amount of pain for us to grow. I don't think I agree with that. As I have, uh, as I have grown and as I have studied Scripture, I don't think personally, and feel free to disagree with me, I might be wrong. That was the very third sermon I preached here. I might be wrong, but I don't think that God is out to harm us. I don't think that, that even if it's for our benefit, that God desires to cause us any kind of pain. I also don't think that pruning is an act of causing pain. Think about when you're pruning a plant. You're not all, all that worried that the plant is going to suddenly cry out in shock. It doesn't hurt to prune. In fact, it helps to prune. It's a healing aspect to prune. Pruning isn't just about like causing some amount of injury. Pruning 
is about getting rid of the unnecessary in order for the good stuff to continue to thrive. So whenever Jesus is talking about pruning here, at least my own personal opinion is that Jesus isn't talking about God is going to cause you some amount of pain in your life. There might be some discomfort, though, because what God does prune are the unnecessary things. And my, how many unnecessary things do we have in our lives? How many things in our life do we cling to even though they do not honor God, even though they have no place in perpetuating the gospel? Oh my goodness, I can think of quite a few in my own life. I think this is the area that God is more interested in pruning. The things that we cling to that don't glorify God. The things that we cling to that really are there to glorify ourselves in order to promote ourselves in some form or fashion of selfishness. That that is what God is interested in pruning. In removing those parts that are solely for our interests rather than the interests of God and God's people. Now, there is always some amount of self-care that we have to do in our lives. Some things are good. I'm not saying that you need to go out and just start slashing things from your life. But in this passage, Jesus does imply that God is interested in getting rid of the unnecessary things, that God is interested in cutting out the things that aren't really helping. Bearing fruit requires pruning. Because I imagine that in each of our lives we have certain areas that are unnecessary. Certain things, as I said, that we cling to that are solely for us. And because of that, they, those areas cannot bear fruit. They are, for lack of a better word, and if we keep up with the plant terminology, diseased. Areas that can't produce fruit. And as the vine grower, as the gardener, God looks at those areas and says, all right, we can get rid of this. It's not going to cause any harm to get rid of this. It might cause a little discomfort because we know what we like and we know how to keep ourselves comfortable. But this, getting rid of this will allow new fruit to grow. Remember, God is interested in us bearing fruit, not as much with us being comfortable. That's a recurring theme throughout Scripture. I would implore you to find people who are comfortable as they follow God, as they follow Christ even. And then we acknowledge perhaps the most important aspect of bearing fruit. Bearing fruit means abiding in Christ. And we talked about this word abiding uh, last week, and we used those uh, two words, that Hebrew word shalom, that harmony, that peace, that wholeness, that completeness, that things as they are intended to be. And we also use the Greek word perichoresis, which means the divine dance, that mutual indwelling, that occupying one another's space, us being included into this harmonious interaction of the Trinity. Bearing fruit means abiding in Christ. And my goodness, if Christ, if Jesus could not get this point across any more clearly than here, I don't know what that would look like, but I mean, this is, this is the, pretty much the, the brunt of this passage, for starting in verse 4. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
Consider that. Have you ever just seen a branch from a vine or a fruit tree just laying there and all of a sudden it starts sprouting fruit? It doesn't do it. That's not the way that it works. It has to be connected. It has to be dependent. It has to be mutually entangled with the source in order for it to bear anything. Jesus goes on, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. That is a difficult passage to swallow. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That goes completely against everything that our society has ever taught us. That we are supposed to be self-sufficient. That we are supposed to be able to do things on our own. That we are supposed to be able to take this on whatever that might be, and not burden others with our problems and our complaints and not be too reliant on others. But Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, it is absolutely crucial. And he goes on, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So, Jesus uses this word abide quite often in this passage to get this point across that bearing fruit requires that we abide in Christ. In other words, if we are seeking to do anything in our Christian journey apart from just caring for ourselves, aka if we are interested in bearing fruit, the only possible way that we can do that is by being connected to Christ. And this isn't some frivolous connection. This isn't like I've got my Jesus in a box on a shelf and whenever I want to talk with Jesus or hang out with Jesus, then I'll take Jesus off the shelf and we'll hang out. This isn't the kind of abiding that says, I've got seven days out of the week and one of those days I'm going to show up to church for about an hour and listen to things about Jesus and that's going to be all well and good. That's not abiding. That is at best, crumbling. A branch that is barely, barely hanging on to the tree or to the vine dies very quickly. Why? Because it needs that source. It needs that full connection, that entanglement. If you've ever like taken a branch from a healthy a healthy branch from a thriving tree and pulled it off, you'll notice that it's like there are all these fibers that, that are a part of all of this and it's pretty difficult to rip off because there are so many of these different channels, so many of these different vessels in which nutrients are fed from the base, from the source into the branch. Hundreds, thousands of these channels. And so abiding in Christ can't just be showing up to church for one hour a week. Abiding in Christ can't just be taking Jesus off the shelf whenever it's convenient for us. Abiding in Christ implies hundreds, if not thousands, of channels of connecting with Christ. Of being right there in the midst of what Jesus is doing in the world. And here's the thing. We know what those channels are. Whether or not we choose to employ them is entirely up to us, but we know what those channels are. We have the kind of channels that feed into us, in which case we have things like, 
don't know, let's list, list them off. Reading scripture, what's another one? Praying. Praying, yes, absolutely. Anything else? Everybody's like, please don't make me talk. It's, it's like raining outside, I really just want to be in bed, like snuggled up right now. I get it. I hear, I hear mumbling, but that's all I hear. Helping others, yes, yes, and we're, perfect, yes. Testifying, yes, absolutely. Quiet time. Spending time just listening for God's voice. Time of devotionals. Worship, yes, showing up in worship on Sunday morning, but worship doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings, does it? We can worship God in any time and space we find ourselves in. Yes, we, we know of these that pour into us. There is another way in which we as branches continue to abide in the source. It operates very much the same way as other branches. We'll just continue with a, with a tree for a moment here. You have a branch there and the branch has fruit. What else does the branch have on it? Leaves, yes, and those leaves serve many important functions such as taking in uh, carbon dioxide and, and through the process of photosynthesis, turning it uh, back into oxygen and bringing in nutrients, also absorbing sunlight and things like this. The branches also have something to contribute to the rest of the tree, to the rest of, of, the, of what exists there. Each branch has a function of being able to take in and also return back to give to other branches, to give back to the, its surrounding environment by taking in those nurturances uh, and, and redistributing it throughout the tree and throughout its environment. These are things like helping others. Yes, these are more self-sacrificial. These are things that require our time, our energy, sometimes our resources. By giving, giving of what we receive back out. Oh. The analogy of a tree just works so well for our lives as Christians, doesn't it? To abide in Christ means activating as many of those channels as we can possibly find in our lives and constantly feeling that connection where Christ pours into us and then we pour out into the world. And Christ pours into us and we grow and pour out into the world. We had this uh this hymn earlier to fill up my cup yes and when we when it fills up enough it begins to overflow because guess what the tap that jesus offers is a fire hydrant of never-ending stream constantly pouring out and if you've ever held a cup up to a fire hydrant before it's really hard to hold on to that cup and it fills up really quickly and just keeps pouring out when we're talking about bearing much fruit we cannot, cannot overlook what it means to abide in Christ. And so my challenge for us this week is very simple. You could probably guess what it is because we've used the expression so often. Bear fruit. That's what Easter people do. Easter people bear fruit. One for sustenance, right? To sustain those around us to give back, and two, to promote growth. Bearing fruit has this innate selfless quality to it. A branch does not bear fruit for itself. The branch has no need for fruit. 
A branch bears fruit because that's what it does. The fruit is for the surrounding area, for those who come by and need some sustenance, for the ground that has been hungering for a new source of life, to promote growth, to sustain. So my challenge for us is to bear fruit. But remember, that includes those three things. To first acknowledge that bearing fruit is twofold, to sustain and to, and to uh, perpetuate growth. Second, that bearing, bearing fruit requires pruning, that there are some things that are unnecessary in our life and in, in, in the things that we put, uh, that we surround ourselves with that we do not need to cling to. And God is willing to get rid of those things. And three, that bearing fruit requires that we abide in Christ through as many possible channels as we can find for ourselves. I feel like that's a pretty solid game plan for us this week. Whenever I say my challenge to you is to go out and bear fruit, that means my challenge to you is to go out and abide in Christ in as many channels as possible. That means my challenge to you is to allow God to prune the unnecessary things in your life. And that means my challenge to you, and to me as well, is that we seek to live to sustain and to promote growth for the world around us. Because, as Jesus said, my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Let us pray.